0: to episode 123 of One Man Watchpoint, and Overwatch podcast. Now this is of course a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch and if you can hear some crinkling that's because I'm opening up some candies as I record. Now if you're a returning listener of course welcome back and if you're new around here allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host Sir Dr. J M. that's at SirDrJM on all socials so why not give me a follow. Reach out to me over there I'd love to interact with you if you have questions, comments, concerns about Overwatch, the Overwatch League, whatever you've got, video games in general, Blizzard games, send them to me over there and we'll bring them to the show and chat about them. Now we've got a show to get to, so let's get moving. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, if you do enjoy what you hear today on One Man Watchpoint, please check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, where I join my hosts, Chris and Alex, each and every week to talk about everything going on in the Overwatch League, but more specifically the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, who we'll talk a little bit about today. Now... Today's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter show. We don't have a ton of news to talk about, but of course we did have Overwatch League action this past weekend. So let's not delay and let's dive on here. I'll do this alone if I have to. All right. So for our first story here, of course, we are going to hit up a little bit of a PSA here. We've got some Prime Gaming rewards. That's right. We talked about them last weekend. I don't know if they were last week. I don't know if they were actually live just yet but you can, of course, claim five tier skips from your Prime Gaming. Of course, to do so, you just have to have your Prime Gaming account linked to your uh, battle.net. I believe Prime Gaming is actually what Twitch is sort of now type deal thing. Anyways, go there, Google Prime Gaming Rewards Overwatch, and you'll find it. You claim it, you link your account, and you get five Battle Pass tier skips. Now, that's a pretty simple one uh i don't believe there are any drops campaigns going on right now i did of course see um i i saw a campaign with uh some skins for contenders uh hours viewed and everything like that but it did actually disappear pretty quickly i'm and i only really saw one account tweeting out about it or or you know posting about it at all so i don't know what really happened with that if uh maybe that didn't you know didn't turn out to be the case so in any case we'll move on now we're gonna start here just by quickly taking a peek at the overwatch cavalry account i believe so we'll head over to instagram ow cavalry underscore of course for the overwatch cavalry account and it looks like we don't actually have too too much to discuss on here right now uh, the big one was that there was a limited time triple XP event this past weekend. Now, I believe it will be over um, by the time you're listening to this, but also by the time I'm recording it. Um, I think it actually did end today. So hopefully you got in there, you got your triple XP, and uh, you know made your way through some Battle Pass tiers there. I think I cleared 10 tiers in a matter, matter of, I don't know, two or three games just because of the triple XP. So... Definitely helps boost you along quite a bit, and there's quite a bit of time left in this battle pass still. All the other stories here I think are things that we are going to talk about for the most part on uh, on today's show, so I think that's all we'll, the only real stop we'll have over at the Overwatch Cavalry. Now, we're going to head over to our first news story of the day, which of course is the Overwatch League MVP announcement. So I believe this came out sometime last week, it was after I posted uh, One Man Watchpoint, but Regardless, it is out now, so we will talk about it just for a quick moment here. Um, so the big thing to know here, I'll, I'll read you through the MVP announcement kind of deal, and then we can discuss. So this is, of course, from overwatchleague.com MVP. And it says, vote for your 2023 Overwatch League MVP. Cast your vote now. The 2023 Overwatch League MVP will be awarded to the best player in the league from August 25th through September 3rd. So that's right. You have to get your votes in now. It is a relatively short window. Uh, It started Friday of last week. So that must be when the announcement dropped. And it goes uh, just over a week. Uh, Literally a week and two days. So not very long at all. Anyways, continuing with the article here. Fans can vote for the 10 finalists here. Fan votes make up 25% of the overall tally, with the other 75% coming from a combination of Overwatch League teams, broadcast talent, and media. Fans will be able to vote once per day until... It just says until. That's a bit of an awkward sentence. We'll be announcing the winner during the postseason. The 2023 MVP will receive a trophy and an MVP jersey patch for the 2023 season. Previous winners, of course, in 2018 it was Jonak on the NYXL. In 2019 it was Sinatra on the San Francisco Shock. In 2020 it was Fleda on the Shanghai Dragons. In 2021 it was Leave for the Chengdu Hunters, and in 2022 it was Proper on the San Francisco Shock again. That's right, the only team to have two MVP winners on their uh, on on that list. So let's take a look at the players today so this is your 2023 overwatch league mvp nominations now one thing i will mention is i actually did try to log in and cast my vote or one of my votes on uh, my mobile phone and it did not work for whatever reason it could not authenticate me with the blizzard authenticator uh i'm really not too sure what exactly happened there um but in any case i would suggest if you do run into that just try logging in on a computer and you'll probably be able to vote i have not actually done that but i will so let's look at our candidates of course first things first we have fearless houston outlaws tank we have fielder atlanta rain support we have lip atlanta rain damage position. We have Merit from the Florida Mayhem, also on damage. Shoe from the Houston Outlaws in support. Skewed from the Soul Infernal on support. Someone from the Florida Mayhem on the tank roll. Stalker from the Atlanta Rain on the damage roll. Violet from the Houston Outlaws on support. And Zest on the Soul Infernal on the damage roll, of course. So a couple of interesting ones in here. I don't know if I would necessarily put all these same players in the MVP uh, vote. Now, that is, what is that? Two, four, six, eight, ten players. I think that's quite a few. I think we've talked about this in the past where it almost seems like that's a little bit too big of a pool. I, I could see eight being a little bit more appropriate. I, I don't know why I feel like that. I just feel like ten is a lot to choose from. Um, granted, it does leave a lot of room for the different roles, right? Because, of course, I think you're always going to see damage having more uh, nominees because of the amount of people who play that role. So let's just count it out here. We've got one, two, three, four. Okay, so four four damage players. And then we've got one, two, three, four supports as well, which is pretty surprising in two tanks. So in any case, the breakdown is a little bit interesting. I'm surprised we don't have uh, more damage and less support. But regardless, I do think this is a pretty solid list. Now, I do also think that there are two standouts in particular. Um, Of course, we see that, you know, most of the players here are on some of the top performing teams, right? We've got two Florida Mayhem players. We've got three Atlanta Rain players. We've got three Houston Outlaws players. And then we've got two Soul Infernal players. Now, big question mark is the representation from the East region. Of course, there is not a ton here. But I think a big part of that as well is that in the uh, off season from the 2022 season to the 2023 season, of course, we saw a lot of the talent, a disproportionate amount of the talent come over from the East to uh, the West region, right? Which in the past, although we had certainly seen lots of players make the jump, I think if, uh, if you were to look at the actual numbers, you would see more players moving from East to West uh, this past season than you have in any other past season. So in any case, a little bit interesting there. Um, only the Soul Infernal being represented in the East, but at the same time, the East has been a bit of a strange uh, region this year. You know, with with the Contenders teams being brought in to kind of beef up the region, with the way the qualifying works for the tournaments, including the Contenders teams and everything like that, it's a bit of a a bit of a mess over there right now. It feels like it feels like. The system, although great, because we're seeing contenders teams join in and everything like that, and it's really kind of promoting the scene a little bit more over there. Uh, It did turn out to be a bit of a a bit of a hot fire, that's for sure. So, in any case, only the Soul Infernal (laughs) hot fire uh, being nominated here. uh, Players. Now, the other thing is, we have three players from the Houston Atlas, three players from the Atlanta Rain, who are, I believe are number one and two spots in the league right now. I personally, although obvious, it's obvious that the Houston Outlaws are a very skilled and talented team, I don't know that I would have put Violet on this list. I think Shue and Fearless probably deserve to be on here. I might sub out Violet with, with one of their uh, DPS players. But regardless, I think that there are two clear clear winners in this group Uh, and I'm sure I don't need to talk too much about it because you've probably heard it at this point from a number of different sources and of course that's Lip on the Atlanta Reign and someone on the Florida Mayhem. For me personally my vote would go to someone uh, although on any given day I can easily be convinced to to go Lip right. Lip is clearly dominant and for a lot of the first half of the season if not you know more than Uh, he basically defined the meta with his Sombra play, right? He basically was the reason other teams were playing Sombra to the extent that they were, because when he's on Sombra, there's just nothing you can do. He's he's absolutely killer. So the fact that he basically set the meta is something incredible. The reason I go for someone over Lip has more to do with uh, what someone has had to do and what someone has had to sort of prove, because going into this season it wasn't necessarily clear that someone uh would be as dominant as he has been but not just as dominant dominant across every tank he's had every hero he's had to play right and that's something that we know the tanks traditionally struggle with right in the in the past in overwatch one when we were playing 6v6 of course tank was sort of pseudo divided up into two different tanking roles right there was the off tank and the main tank um And with the transition to Overwatch 2, we went down to five players, and the tanks suddenly had to try their best to cover all of the tank heroes with with one person. Now, of course, we saw teams having more than one player, and they would sub uh, more than one player on the tank roll, and they would sub that person out simply so that they could um, uh, play a different tank, usually map dependent, sometimes to try and counterpick the other team. But of course, that doesn't always work out, right? Um, maybe, you know, you sub in your ball player and then the other team picks someone that will or has a composition that will easily best ball and suddenly your ball player is left in, in in the rain and they have to kind of figure out, OK, do I play a hero that maybe I'm not so skilled with just to give us a fighting chance or do I stick with ball because I'm best at ball and maybe I can actually make an impact on ball, right? We obviously have seen teams like the Toronto Defiant struggle with this with Kaluge, right? Who we know... Uh, is a pretty stellar um, Junker Queen, is an excellent, arguably best in the league, Sigma, Um, very, very good at um, uh, D.Va as well. But, I mean, at the beginning of the season, he straight up said he wouldn't play ball if it was a ball meta. But other than that, we know that uh, it was largely a Winston meta for the first half of the season, and he struggled with with Winston, right? I don't think he was bad, um, certainly not the worst, but He was definitely not up there with the the best of them, right? So the comparison to someone there is, of course, that someone has basically picked up every tank he's had to this season, and he's done so extremely, extremely well. Of course, he's surrounded by a team that really props him up. Uh, Merritt, obviously, on the damage roll, also being nominated. Um, But ultimately, I think someone has really been kind of a shining star on the Florida Mayhem and a shining star of this season, right? And going into the season, you know, uh, I guess last season, really, we did see some of that. Um, We definitely saw someone really kind of showing off his ability. But I think it wasn't until the Pro-Am coming into this season that everyone really saw, holy cow, this guy could be, this guy could be him. So my vote goes for someone. I'm sure we'll talk more about this on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast tomorrow. If you're interested to hear uh, Chris and Alex's thoughts, specifically, um, maybe as they relate to the Vancouver Titans or the Toronto Define, but again, to me, I think someone has my vote, so there you have it, that is your MVP uh, nominees for this season, of course, we'll find out who wins that later on in the season, I believe they usually announce it at uh, the grand finals, so let's move along here, and we have a short a uh, sort of quick article here just to talk about a new skin that's coming to the game this article reads overwatch league offers fresh new themed team themed skins for one classic hero overwatch league team skins have largely existed just to display loyalty to a given franchise there was never much variety to any given skin outside of the color scheme until now blizzard unveiled new owl shop skins today for the league's 18 teams that turn everyone's favorite hammer wielding tank into a prideful fanatic That's right, each team has its own custom color scheme for Reinhardt's epic quality Prideful skin. This marks the first time that Blizzard and the Overwatch League have created team-themed skins for every team that go beyond simply recoloring a default skin. The original Prideful skin was added to Overwatch 2 last year with a cream-colored base with green and gold accents, and it was temporarily available in the game's shop. The skin was originally priced at 1,000 Overwatch coins. That's right, right? Yes. Yes. The new Owl-centric skins are offered for Owl Tokens instead and come as a part of the two-piece bundle for 300 tokens. Each Prideful Team bundle includes a Prideful Reinhardt skin with the team's colorway, as well as a Gold Weapon Charm for the corresponding team. The bundles can be purchased through the Overwatch League tab in the in-game cosmetic shop. Owl Tokens can be earned from watching live league broadcasts through a drops campaign on youtube but they can also be purchased for about six dollars per 100 tokens this values the prideful bundles at around 18 dollars. so um this is actually a pretty cool one if you ask me i i actually dig the design behind the skin and the look of it and everything and i do think that uh you know in combination with uh, a number of the different teams the colors really do pop uh, a couple of favorites of mine are definitely the, uh, Dallas fuel, the blue on blue looks really good. The New York excelsior, uh, variant actually looks really crisp. I really like it. Uh, the Atlanta rain has sort of a dark red with uh, sort of white or silver highlights. And that one looks really cool. So I'm a fan of this. Um, I, this is again, something that I, you know, I've talked about on a couple of episodes here. This is something that I really wish they had done more in the past, right? Um, Offer these cool skins and then offer color variants of them for, you know, a discounted price, right? If that base skin had been $1,000, $1,000, 1000 Overwatch coins, great. Maybe once you get that, you only have to pay 150 owl tokens to, uh, to get these team ones or something like that. Um, in any case, I think this one looks really cool and it's a lot better than the, um, there was a Zarya skin that they released, uh, Trying to think when that was uh in association with the overwatch league of course a little while back now um it was the Zarya climber skin and I believe they only released it in Guangzhou Charge and Atlanta Rain colors um because of course they were the top two teams in the in the regions I believe and I was really kind of underwhelmed with the skin itself uh the actual weapon uh, Zarya's particle cannon was really sick and the theme behind that was very very cool. But the skin itself just left something to be desired and then on top of that, it was only the two teams that actually got that skin. So, would have been cool or would be cool to see if they kind of expand that out later. Um, but in any case, uh it was underwhelming to say the least. And I like this one a lot more. So, Moving on, we're going to head to our final news story here today, which uh, should come as no surprise, really, especially if you've been playing the game. Of course, you will already know this, but let's dive on in there. This is another article from DotEsports.com, this time by Max Michelli, which reads, oh posted on August 24th, which reads, Overwatch 2 Season 6 Patch Notes, August 24th, all Illari hero nerfs. Blizzard added a small patch to Overwatch 2 on Thursday, alongside new support hero Alari's arrival in the game's competitive mode. Along with a few minor bug fixes, the team gave a nerf to Alari just two weeks after her release. Game director Aaron Keller told players ahead of Alari's release that the new hero might be a smidge overtuned because the team didn't want to make the same mistake that they did with Lifeweaver. The previous new hero edition had an underwhelming start and needed many buffs before becoming viable. You're clearly here to know what happened to Ilari, so we'll just cut to the chase. Here are the Overwatch 2 Season 6 patch notes for August 24th. Ilari. Healing Pylon. Heal decreased to 30, down from 40. Shields decreased to 50, down from 75. Captive Sun. Projectile impact and explosion can now be blocked by barriers. Projectile size decreased to 0.75 meters, down from 1.5 sunstruck duration decreased to six down from seven quote has had a, a strong showing since her launch the dev comment said the following changes are meant to promote a better balance between healing and damage while adding more counterplay against her abilities we're making the healing pylon weaker as it's often placed out of line of sight or at odd angles and isn't being destroyed as often as we expect Captive Sun ignoring barriers is not immediately intuitive, but we are also reducing the projectile size, so blocking or destroying will require more precision. Finally, the sunstruck effect lasts too long and reasonably avoid the detonation damage threshold. Too reasonably avoid the detonation damage threshold. Keller and lead hero designer Alex Alec Dawson both mentioned changes would be coming to Healing Pylon and Captive Sun prior to the patch dropping, so this update isn't the most surprising. However, the significant drop-off in healing Pylon's throughput might be a cause for concern as far as her flexibility is concerned. Ilari has a powerful heal with her solar rifle secondary fire, so her healing throughput shouldn't take much of a hit. But with healing Pylon doing less, Ilari herself will need to be more focused on healing and likely won't be able to provide as much in the way of supplemental DPS. Captive Sun didn't initially come across too overly powerful, but it being able to pre- project through barriers certainly felt unfair to face. I don't expect the Captive Sun changes to impede her viability all that much. Ilari was due for a nerf, and if you didn't see it coming, you've probably been too busy playing Baldur's Gate 3 instead of Season 6. Ilari should still be useful, and I anticipate seeing a lot of her in competitive games. The bottom line is, she's still good, so don't you worry. So everything Max writes in the article there is uh, certainly true. Uh, This past weekend, of course, we did see Overwatch League play, and I believe it was on this patch with Lari nerfed, um, and we still saw her played, right? Uh, Quite effectively by a number of teams, right? We did see, um, you know, the Florida Mayhem came out on her. Uh, I believe Boston may have tried her a little bit in that match against Florida. We saw the Toronto Defiant playing her um, and a number of other teams, so... I do think that they made some good changes here. Uh, the, the one in particular that makes a lot of sense to me is that the captive sun can be blocked by a, by a barrier. Um, it could already be eaten by a diva matrix or, um, uh, uh, there was something else. I forget what it was, uh, but it could be reflected by Genji's reflect and things like that. So that made sense. But if those abilities can affect it, it didn't quite make sense to me why barriers couldn't uh, block it, right? Reinhardt's shield, you would think, throw that thing up, it'll hit the shield and just, you know, bounce to the ground kind of thing. Even if once it hits the ground, then it has its impact detonation or what have you. Um, I think that could have still been just fine. Uh, But in any case, that is what it is now. So definitely a little easier to counter, especially because it is usually... Pretty obvious when Alari is um, going to pop her ult, especially at, you know, the level I'm playing, it's not usually ult and fire in very quick sequence. It's usually ult and then search around for the target. Look, 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 where am I going to hit? Who am I going to shoot? And then they blast it out. Um, at the highest levels of play, of course, it'll be much quicker. Um, and they might just be able to, uh, you know, avoid it being blocked or something like that a little bit easier. But in any case, I think these make a lot of sense. The healing decrease, uh, probably also makes sense because that healing pylon was impressively good. Um, you combine that with, you know, another AOE or burst heal and oh my gosh, it was very hard to take, take people down. So, um, I think overall, I think these are some smart changes that uh, just help her be a little less oppressive, uh, but still keep her in a good spot. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with these and I have been playing recently and uh, I'm still seeing her picked quite a decent amount. Um, the funny thing is at the ranks that I play, you know, I, I didn't typically see Life Weaver. I wouldn't say I saw him picked commonly, but I didn't see him picked every time kind of thing. And I would say his play rate has not really changed, even though they did buff him. And uh, he's actually a pretty decent healer now. But anyways, that's a whole nother thing. So, and with all of that, that's actually going to bring us to the end of our new segment of the show. So I think we're going to head over now and we'll talk a little bit of Overwatch League action. This is it push forward all right so of course we did have some overwatch league action this past weekend in the overwatch league of course in the east we saw the summer knockouts east a and b uh stages begin and then of course in the west we did see some just uh, regular play i suppose um of course all as we move closer and closer to the end of the uh regular season and we begin to move into our playoff time so Let's do a bit of a recap here, um, and I'll actually I'll just start with I'll just start with Saturday, August twenty sixth. So things kicked off, of course, on Saturday, August twenty sixth, in the East with Pokerface beating Pantera with a three one record. And you know what? I'm just looking at my pickums. That is exactly what I picked. Hell yeah, good job me. And then of course Dreamers beat Rhodes three one, and I'm just checking my pickums again, and. It does appear, appear that may have been what I picked, unless I'm reading my pickums wrong, and I forgot to actually make my choices. Hmm, I might have just uh, forgot to lock those in. What? Well, well, that's good. All right, so maybe I was wrong about that first one. Anyways, Dreamers beat Rhodes, 3-1. Then, of course, we have O2 Blast beating out the Guangzhou Charge, 3-1. And finally, Sinprisa Gaming beating the Shanghai Dragons, 3-1. If I remember doing my preds correctly, that... I was not correct about that. I picked Shanghai. In any case, three one three one three one three one, and uh, not necessarily the teams that I think you would always think to win it. Uh, certainly, Overwatch League teams not doing their part. Moving on over to the West, of course, things kicked off on Saturday, August twenty-sixth, with the London Spitfire beating out the Los Angeles Valiant three one. The Houston Outlaws then took on the Vegas Eternal and beat them 3-0, and the Atlanta Rain beat the Washington Justice with a 3-0 record. And finally, to close out Saturday, August 26th, the Los Angeles Gladiators got a much-needed win 3-0 over the New York Excelsior, unfortunately a match that I predicted would be 3-2 in favor of New York. I believe that was even a rematch for for the Gladiators, so I'm sure they I'm sure they studied up and uh, really wanted to win that one out. So good for them. Moving on to Sunday, August 27th. Oh, I forgot to mention. That's right. A lot of the time we had been seeing a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. For whatever reason, this weekend was simply Saturday and Sunday. And uh, even in the West, there were four matches on Saturday. And then there were only three on Sunday. So the schedule is a little bit weird right now, but it is what it is. Sunday, August 27th, of course, the Dallas Fuel beat Pokerface 3-0. The Hangzhou Spark beat Dreamers 3-0. The Soul Infernal beat Sinprese Gaming 3-1. And O2 Blast beat the Soul Dynasty 3-0. O2 Blast looking like they're on a bit of a roll here, of course. Um, meanwhile, this side of the, pardon me, Overwatch League teams looking a little bit more in shape here. With the exception of the Seoul Dynasty. Then we headed over to the west where we saw the Florida Mayhem beat out the Boston Uprising 3-2. And if I I actually want to just check here, was it a reverse sweep? I did watch this match. Uh, it wasn't quite a reverse sweep. Uh, although Boston was up 2-1 uh, after map 3. And then uh, the Florida Mayhem managed to win out Esperanza and, of course, Dorado uh, to close it out 3-2. Then we head on over to the Toronto Defiant against the Vancouver Titans, where Toronto was able to come out on top and shut out the Vancouver Titans 3-1. I guess it's not a shutout, but they did, you know, beat them is what I'm saying. Um, of course, with Vancouver taking, I believe, what would have been the uh, Flashpoint map in this case. Um, I don't remember. I want to say it was not Cervasa. It was New Junk City. Um, the Overwatch League website is not actually showing that match for some reason or that map for some reason, but it is showing Vancouver took it three-one there. So in any case, Toronto gets the win overall. Three-one against the Vancouver Titans. Of course, that means that Toronto has won I believe two battles for Canada this season. Uh possibly the only two, if I'm not mistaken. Um in the last match was a lot closer. Um of course it was before the Ilari break. And of course it was a 5 mapper that went in favor of the Toronto Defiant um and uh a bit of a bit of a heartbreaker for Vancouver both teams at that point i believe were just playing with their new their new teammates uh of course Toronto bringing in opener on the support role and spectra in the dps and then Vancouver playing with he sang for maybe the first time um and it was, it was a very close match. It looked like, uh, you know, toss a coin and it could have gone to Vancouver, but it did go to Toronto. Um, this time around, not so much. Toronto looking pretty crispy, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they can do with the rest of their season. Of course, only one more week, but we'll talk about that in a minute here. And to finally close out the weekend on Sunday, August 27th, we saw the San Francisco Shock get a 3-0 victory over the Vegas Eternal. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that actually brings Vegas' season to an end. And they do finish off the season with a 0-win record. That's right. They have 0... Well, here, let me pull up. Overwatch League standings. They do finish out the season with a record of me vamping. 0 Wins and sixteen losses. They only won five maps on the whole season. They have a negative forty-three map differential. The Los Angeles Valiant, of course, had a two wins on the season, thirteen losses, losses. Sorry, with a negative twenty-nine differential. But they did have fourteen map wins. Um, so some some pretty clear progress that uh, the Valiant actually made throughout the season. Uh, Whereas Vegas Eternal, definitely, definitely not seeing any of that. So that's it for them. And that's it for week five. So now, without further ado, let's head on over to week six and we shall discuss our upcoming matches. So uh, this time around, of course, we do have some matches in the Summer Knockouts East A and B in the Eastern Region. And I'm just going to look at the dates here. So it would be September 2nd and 3rd, it looks like. That's right. So I'll start off on the Summer Knockouts East A, where on Saturday, September 2nd, in the Elimination Round 1, we will see... Oh, do I have to scroll here? Oh, no, we're good. Pantera will take on the Hangzhou Spark. And as I read that, this is me realizing that I did, in fact, get my picks in there. And so uh, I actually did nail the score on the winners round one in the summer knockouts East A at both Pokerface versus Pantera, 3 1 for Pokerface, and then uh, Dreamers, 3 1 over Rhodes. I got both of those correct. So that's pretty sweet. Anyways, what does that all mean? Well, that means. That upcoming at 2 a.m. on Saturday, September 2nd, we have Pantera against Dreamers. We then have Rhodes against Poker Face. And then at uh, 5 a.m., we have the Guangzhou Charge against the Seoul Dynasty. And we have the Shanghai Dragons against Sin Prisa Gaming. So that is, of course, your East region for Saturday, September 2nd. Now, I did actually, so I was looking at the pickums originally. I realized it's showing my picks and my seating and everything, so I, I had to scrap that. Um, So that's why I just kind of rifled off those games. If we then continue with Saturday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, we have the New York Excelsior facing off against the Vancouver Titans. Of course, Vancouver likely going to win this one. Um, I haven't done my picks here, but I'm just taking a look at the standings. Vancouver is still sitting in fifth place with eight and seven. Whereas New York is down in ninth with six and nine. New York is in that sort of danger zone where if they don't get a win this weekend uh, and it looks like they only play one round, then unfortunately they might just find themselves on the outside of uh, plans looking in um, because they are in that six to nine group, right? So our ninth position overall down through our 11th position overall are all sitting at a six win nine loss record right now. Above them in seventh and eighth in the standings are the Toronto Defiant and the London Spitfire with seven and eight. So this is a very, very sort of dire situation for those teams in the nine to 11 position and the seven to eight, uh, their the fate of their future or, okay, let me rephrase that. Their fate may rely on some of these other teams below them losing or winning. So in any case, let's take a look here and let's See, so schedule 1 p.m. We have the New York Excelsior taking on the Vancouver Titans. We then have the Boston Uprising taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. And finally, the Florida Mayhem taking on the Los Angeles Valiant. So let's do some quick picks here. Uh, I am going to side with the Vancouver Titans. And given how L.A. was able to sort of stomp all over them in their last match, um I'm tempted to make this a 3-0 for Vancouver mostly based off of New York's poor performance against LA although LA had really been on a downswing so you know it's possible that LA just came back really hard i kind of want to go 3-1 for Vancouver but i'm going to put it as 3-0 for Vancouver right now then at 2:30 p.m. when the Boston Uprising take on the Los Angeles Gladiators i am giving this match to Boston but i'm going to give LA a map i think It's going to be tough. Um, I don't think there's a way that LA comes out with a win on this match, which is unfortunate for them because a loss won't do them any favors. That's for certain. Uh, In fact, it will quite literally mean that they miss the playoffs, I believe. So that could be it for their season but in any case that's how i'm feeling about them then of course the florida mayhem are gonna 3-0 the uh los angeles valiant you know valiant sitting in 12th place right now 2 and 13 as i mentioned florida mayhem sitting in second place with 13 and 2 florida looking just absolutely stellar right now so that is that then we move over to sunday september 3rd now this is where the east region brackets uh come into play Of course, some of these matches are TBD. We don't know who will be playing them yet. So at 2 a.m. Mountain Time, the Dallas Fuel will take on the Hangzhou Spark. And I mean, Dallas is going to win that. At 3.30 a.m., it is TBD versus TBD, of course. At 5 a.m., we have the Soul Infernal taking on O2 Blast, which should be a pretty interesting match. Of course, if I look at the East, oh my gosh, the East just has too many, too many things going on right now. It is hard to keep track of what exactly is happening here. In any case, both Seoul and O2 won their previous matches. So, should be an interesting match there, that's for sure. Then at 6.30am, of course, it's TBD against TBD again. So, that's it for the East. Then we head on over to the matches in the West at 1pm. The Toronto Defiant take on the Washington Justice. The At 2.30pm, the Houston Outlaws take on the London Spitfire and then at 4 p.m. the Atlanta Rain take on the San Francisco Shock. Now, that is definitely a match I did not watch this past weekend is uh well, a match with either San Francisco or uh Vancouver. Sorry, Vancouver. Uh Atlanta is who I meant to say there. Um I am curious to see how both of those teams did. Of course, Atlanta 3-0ed Washington and then San Francisco 3-0ed Vegas, but I'm more curious about what exactly they played. Um, and how they played it, right? What comps were they playing? What, you know, what tank were they running with? And, and things like that. And also, you know, there's a good chance they were sort of holding back some strategy against these weaker teams because they knew that, uh, you know, they didn't want to reveal their cards too early or anything like that. So again, that was at 1 p.m. The Toronto Definer going to beat the Washington Justice. Um, now, this will also be a grudge match or a rematch, as I mentioned, like uh, similar to Los Angeles against New York course toronto won the previous match um and washington didn't look bad i i definitely thought washington stumbled a few times and that sort of cost them the game but since then washington has not been doing well uh they've continued to not really find much success so i'm feeling confident that toronto takes this win um that of course moves toronto up to eight and eight perfect 500 classic <laughs> that's actually hilarious because that uh you know just about as even as they could possibly get that's your toronto define for you um meanwhile with vancouver getting their win they would be 9 and 7 uh so likely vancouver stays in fifth spot overall um meanwhile toronto depending on what happens with the san francisco shock who of course play the atlanta rain uh toronto could move up to 6th place. We could have Vancouver in 5th and Toronto in 6th. Uh, could be really interesting there. But in any case, let's continue with uh, our little path here. I think Toronto is going to take this match against Washington. I'll give Washington 1 for now. I might go in and change that. I have it 3-1 for Washington, for Toronto right now. Then, of course, the Houston Outlaws will take on the London Spitfire. I am going to go 3-1 on this match as well. Um, not really anything against the Houston outlaws, but London have been doing London things, right? They have largely taken up the mantle of, of Chengdu, you know, they, they sort of, they have their, their method, they have their plan, they have their strengths, and they know what they're good at. Um, And because of that, you know, they, uh, they find some success. It's, you know, not necessarily the not necessarily the toughest opponent, but for whatever reason, they're good at what they do, and they do it well, and it does see some success for them. So I'm putting it 3-1 for Houston Outlaws. After that, we have the Atlanta Rain taking on the San Francisco Shock. Now, I do want to check uh, last week and see, oh yeah, San Francisco 3-0 over Vegas, Atlanta 3-0 over Washington. Atlanta obviously had the tougher opponent in that matchup uh, Atlanta is also the better team. So there's a wider gap between Atlanta and, uh, and, uh, Washington. than there is San Francisco and Vegas. Although. Yeah, I I guess that's true. (laughs) It's, it's kind of honestly, it's, it's pretty both, both of those teams are pretty bad. Uh, Vegas and, uh, um, washington washington not as much but in any case atlanta's at the top uh they are at the top of their game right now again i haven't watched their match from this past weekend so i'm curious to see how how this new meta and alari is fitting into their play uh, i believe with Sombra gone now of course we well not gone but being less prevalent we won't see lips setting the meta like i had discussed before um but he's still a very good player regardless right he can't play more than just Sombra. So I won't be surprised at all to see um, to see Atlanta take this match. Of course, the Shock have had a bit of a strange season, full of ups, ups and downs, some impressive wins, some impressive losses, some confusing wins, and some confusing losses, right? Um, overall, they're sitting in sixth. They are that middle ground between the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant right now. They're at eight and seven. But like I say, I could see them losing this one. That puts them at eight and eight toronto wins theirs that puts them at eight and eight but i believe toronto would move up in the standings uh because they would in winning they would get a positive uh they would decrease their map differential uh whereas san francisco in losing would increase theirs so they would move down toronto would move up so in any case i'm giving this to atlanta i'm gonna say 3-1 for now maybe i'll get a chance to watch um either the Atlanta match or the shock match before uh, before we have to lock in our picks and everything. Um, but I'm putting it as 3-1 for now. Lots of 3-1s, a couple of 3-0s here. Uh, but overall, this should be a pretty exciting final week. Uh, there's some duds in here for sure. Um, you know, some matches that won't be too exciting. Uh, Florida Valiant, for example. Um, you know, likely Houston, London won't be too, too exciting. Um, Atlanta shock though. I mean, shock could throw a curveball in there and do something fun. Um, Boston gladiators, you know, if it weren't for their win this past weekend, I wouldn't be thinking that one would be too exciting, but I'm, you know, kind of got my fingers crossed that LA will put up a decent fight against Boston. It does turn the tides a little bit if L if LA is able to get a win and Boston isn't, um, Boston won't really move in the standings is what I'm seeing. But if the Gladiators get a win, they could potentially move up to ninth position um, depending on what happens with, of course, London and Toronto. And New York and Washington <laughs> in in those matchups. Sorry, I was just thinking. Um, so that, again, that 9 to 11 range, all of those teams need a win. That's the New York Excelsior. That's the Washington Justice. That's the Los Angeles Gladiators. All three of those teams play this weekend. And I would probably say the Gladiators who need the win. Well, I guess all of those teams need the win equally. um, But I would say they probably have the toughest opponent, right? Uh, They kind of drew the short straw there um, with New York playing Vancouver. Um, I would say New York there's a world in which new york wins although it's you know a small percentage and then washington toronto there's a there's a chance that washington wins but los angeles with how they've been playing you know with the exception of last game and with boston how they've been playing even when boston loses they're losing to top teams they're not losing to bottom teams boston is looking pretty clean right now so gladiators definitely have their work cut out for them and and again that could be the difference between them making it into playoffs at all or not i i believe it's the bottom three positions that don't make it into playoffs actually let me look this up real quick here all right well i did some digging and i can't seem to find the announcement that i was looking for regardless i'm gonna go ahead and i mean the, the other factor is of course the east region playing in as well um i can't quite remember where the cutoff is but this 9 to 11 range is the danger zone you do not want to be in that position and again New York, Washington, Los Angeles all have tough opponents this weekend, and I don't expect to see much of a change-up in their overall positions. Um, if they all lose this weekend, then I believe it will come down to map differential for these some of these teams. So in any case, that's what we're looking at there. So overall, an exciting uh, final week of regular season play coming up here. Of course, things kick off on Saturday, September 2nd, and uh, end Sunday, September 3rd. Then I'm thinking that we have a few weeks off before we head into playoffs uh, towards the end of September. And of course, as I've spoken about before, I'm officially going to the Grand Finals. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm uh, pretty excited to see, see everything, see everything, meet everyone. Maybe shake some hands and things like that. You can get some pictures with some people. Uh, But overall, just see some stellar Overwatch League gameplay. So, in any case, looking forward to that. But I think we'll head on over to the outro. I feel greatly empowered. Well, once again, thank you for listening to another episode of One Man Watchpoint. and overwatch podcast this is of course a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of overwatch and i as your host sir dr jm at sir D R J M, would love to interact with you so please head on over to all socials follow me and shoot me a message over there and uh give me questions give me comments give me concerns give me topics i'll bring them to the show i will talk about them if they pertain to overwatch the overwatch league whatever you've got blizzard games or video games in general i will bring them to the show and we'll talk about them You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave a review, and tell your friends. And with that, signing off, this has been Sir Dr. Jam. Oh, you shouldn't have.